Championship. I told you I was right. I know you tell me you're not listening. That is something special. Oh. Get the name and stick it up in lights. Oh, how did they score from that? Tonight at 100% footy, the tables have turned. Cleary chaos threatens the Panthers' premiership run. Clear as mud, the confusion between the match review committee and the refs. Struggle Street. Awesome. Let me tell you how they judge them. But that doesn't make it right now. How good is that to watch? Yes, hello and welcome to 100% Footy. Great to have your company. Five rounds. Yes, just five rounds until finals time. And it's four days of footy on nine. Saturday night footy gets underway this weekend on the wide world of sports. Hello, team. Michael Shemmers. Grace. Phil Gould. James, how you doing? Where's Gal? Hello, Darren Lockyer. Yeah, uh, I think Gal's down with uh, COVID. So uh, rest again. up, Gal. I'm pretty sure he'd be a, a pretty uh, easy patient at home. Oh, imagine it. The he's, violin would be He's out. just upset that Sonny's not fighting him, that's yeah. all. <laughs> Sorry, Mark Hunt's the man. Uh, I swear this is the eighth time he's had it. But rest up, Gal. Miss <laughs> you, mate. We'll see you next week. Uh, let's get into it, as we always do. What did we learn from the weekend that was? Gus, starting with you tonight. Cowboys, serious football team, and if Paul Gallen doesn't have to eat my underpants, I'm going to make him wear them through the streets of Townsville when they win this year's Premiership. Really important win for them on the weekend. They haven't travelled outside of Queensland virtually all year. They've only got a couple of visits to Sydney. This was an important one. They were put under pressure early, but managed to streak away with a brilliant win. They're a serious football team. Yeah, fun to watch too. Lockie? Uh, how much the women are a part of our game. There's women in the league round last week, and uh, I remember, um, you know, just my mum taking me to, you know, four hours just to play a game of football uh, out there near, in Roma. And then you know, I went to my young fella's uh, game on the weekend, just the women in the canteen. So at the grassroots level, right to the elite level where you've got the partners, you've got the mothers, and then you've also got the women uh, that are actually like, refereeing the game and then also playing the game at the elite level. They're, they're a big part of our game. Well said, Darren Lockyer. What about you, Michael? Brace, I didn't think I'd say this three months ago, but I'm loving watching the Bulldogs play, the way they play at the moment. Josh had a car, kick into a winger to score a try. That combination with Matt Burton and Josh had a car growing every week. They're just an exciting football team to watch and didn't think I'd say that, but they're, uh, the they've, they've, come, they've come a long way. You've been bragging about that? Since the game. Fox has been practicing his kicking game. Has I, think, he? <laughs> I think a field goal might be next. You never know. You never know with him. All right, let's get into it tonight. We spent a lot of time on this show talking about the best, Penrith, and then the rest, but with just a handful of rounds to go in full, till finals time and the wheels starting to come off the reigning Premier's title defence. Panthers are setting the, the bench. Clearly the best team in the competition. Yeah, I don't think anyone's getting anywhere near the Panthers. It's just a blind form. Apparently going to win this with a leg in the air. They are just so far in front of everyone. I can't see anyone beating them at that time of year, provided everyone's fit and well. Fit and well. Oh, no. I reckon it's an impact. Oh, no. That's not good. That is not good. Oh, and no. Cleary has dumped him into the ground here. He's off! Oh. Cleary's off! That is a real bad one. Wow! A stunning moment. A major spinner in the works for Penrith. Sebo, they're not going to stop him from there. And Polmore and Marty try another one. And they have beaten him for the second time in 2022. Do you think you'll probably be without Nathan for the next month? I think he's going to be missing for a bit. I suppose based on... Yeah, other examples this year, and um, yeah, it's probably probably likely. Yeah, they did ponder taking it to the judiciary and contesting and risking six games. That would have meant week one of the finals if unsuccessful. They've opted out, 
and he'll sit out now, Nathan Cleary, for the last five rounds. Gus, did the punishment fit the crime? No, I think the suspensions are too long overall with most offences. I don't think we need to put players out of the game for six weeks to remind them that that's not what you do. That's just an error of judgment. I know that's Penrith tackling technique very well. I think he's probably thinking his other two players would support that player a little better than they did. They pulled away from it and he found himself in an awkward position. Does Nathan Cleary need six weeks away from the game to learn his lesson that that's the wrong tackle to make? He knew at six seconds after he did it that it was wrong, and I think the chances of reoffending. They probably want to send a message to the rest of the competition, and they want to look like the star players don't get special treatment. But I think overall our suspensions in the game are far too long anyway. Could you factor in, Lockie, the, the fact that if you are sent off, and that was pretty early in the match too, that that would count towards the overall suspension? Well, they lost the game, and you would say the fact that Nathan Cleary wasn't out there, they were you know, severely handicapped, so they lost two points uh, with him gone. And then, look, I, I think it's... I thought a month was probably appropriate. I, I thought five weeks is, is a long time. Uh, it's effectively six weeks, really, because you include the game that, mm. he, that, he, that he was sent off early. So, um, look, we don't want that tackle in the game, but I agree with Gus from the perspective. I think Nathan Cleary and the game, even with a month out on, on the sidelines, it would have, you know, I guess put a lot of people on, uh, on alert that they can't do that. It would have been a month. It was his second offence. The, yep. the actual grade three charge carries four weeks. But it was because it was a second offence, it, it took it to five. So the Panthers knew that if they fought and lost, they would be missing week one of the finals. They couldn't risk it. But it's, uh, it's a big blow for Penrith. See, as a coach, and I see Jerome Luai injured and won't be back till the first week of the finals. Now, clearly suspended, he won't be back till the first week of the finals. I can actually see a positive in that. Mm. Because when you're that far ahead in the minor premiership, all you're doing every week is watching your team. Hopefully no one gets hurt. Now he's got two players ready for week one of the finals. All the others have got to get there yet. They've got to get through five games and be uninjured and unsuspended or whatever. Luai and Cleary will play in round one of the finals, and I think that's a bonus. And, you know, whilst it's not the ideal way to do it, I'd look at it as a positive that my two star halves are going to be there when the big games are on. Well, I think they needed to have a bump in the road. They were going too good. Mm. You know, I think after Origin Series, all of the players that play for the Blues will be motivated to compensate for losing the Origin Series, but I think they needed to have a bit of a bad run just to refocus it. And... You know, the only risk here is that two players, even though they're your star players, they might be a touch underdone mm. in week one of the finals, but they should have enough points up their sleeves to get their second chance. You're saying they had a bad run. They had a bad 40 minutes the other night. They won the second half with 12 men and without Cleary in the side. Pretty amazing. And I'm not writing them off to win all five games leading up to the rest of the season. People saying that they won't win games because those two are playing. Yeah, gee whiz, I think they'll be more than competitive in all the games that they play. Over, over the last few weeks or few months, you said this competition's over. It's mm. a foregone conclusion they'll win. I noticed a little bit of talk about the Cowboys at the start. Are, are you saying that there's a chance now the window's open for another team? No, I was just sticking it up Paul Gallon. There's got to be some game in round 25, though. Yeah. Right? yeah, it will be. But, you know, by then, players, they might be resting players and getting ready for the first week of the finals. You don't know what's going to happen. You get too far ahead of yourselves, you blokes. Minor premiership know, could be at stake. You want to get game. to the end of the book and read the answers before you go through the... <laughs> The journey. You've got to go through the journey. The, uh, the depth there, final one on the Panthers. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, Kurt Falls, uh, Jamin Salmon. How do you see them playing this one come match of, team decision time tomorrow? A lot of teams running around in this comp would like to have them as their normal halves, let alone as backups. I think the team will function well. I think all the other players will lift. They'll still be extremely hard to beat. And I think the draw that they've got, which is pretty hard, they play some really good quality teams, is the perfect preparation leading into a final series. Perfect preparation leading into the final. Last year they had so many easy games and they got to the first week of the finals and South Sydney ground them into the ground and from that they went on a run 
and won three really close games. So I think those real grinding things, if they can tough it out over the next five weeks, you know, win four or five of those games, I think it's perfect preparation leading into the finals and then your big guns come back. Well, Kurt Falls has been injured. He hasn't played for a little while and he's still touch and go for this week. There's talk at the Panthers that they may play Sonny Luke as well. Uh, it's, he's a chance of playing this week. So there's a bit to fall. They have Jamin Salmon as well, but O'Sullivan will be the seven with Cleary out. They're just trying to find who the yeah. six will be. O'Sullivan's got a good little, kick, little kicking game, but it's not a long kicking game. Now, Jerome Luai and no Nathan Cleary, that'll be the biggest impact, I think, for Penrith will be their kicking game and how they manage the game. Uh, the team that beat them for the second time this year, the Parramatta Reels, uh, two from two against the reigning premiers. They've now got to do it without Mitch Moses uh, for four weeks. Had surgery today on his middle finger, Gus. Can they keep the momentum going, Parramatta, without him there? Don't know. No one knows. There's a good Parramatta. There's a bad Parramatta. We got the good Parramatta in the first half the other night. That just blew them off the park. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think the result would have been too much different whether Cleary had stayed on or not. The way the game was trending. But then in the second half, with only 12 men, they were actually beaten Parramatta in the second 40 minutes. So. There's two of them. There's no doubt about that. Which one turns up on the day? They've got the ability, as I've said all year, they've got the ability to win those big games. It's whether they're going to get to the finals with a couple of, with a couple of chances to, to make that possible. And, uh, are we talking Jacob uh, Arthur will be named at seven? Yeah, that's the most likely. Yeah. Oh, there's been a lot of criticism from Parramatta fans of Brad Arthur for continuing to pick Jake earlier in the year, played him at six and left Dylan Brown in the centres. And we've seen that awful last few weeks with Parramatta fans, or some Parramatta fans, booing Jacob Arthur when he got the ball, when he came on the field. I wonder, Gus, what do you say? If you're, if you're Brad Arthur, what do you say to, to Jacob, knowing that there's going to be so much attention on him from the Parramatta fans this week? What do you say before the game? Well, nothing. I pick the best player for the job. If he's the best player for the job, I don't give a damn what the fans say. I don't give a damn what the media says. You know that. You just pick the best man for the job. And if he's the best man for the job, he... He gets the jersey. Well, this is his opportunity, isn't it? It is. It's a, it's a... And, and too, Darren, you know, you look at those fellas who are going to fill in for Cleary and Luai at, at the Panthers. What perfect preparation for them to get five real big games under their belt if, in fact, they're called upon. I mean, Cleary might get injured in the preliminary final. They need a half of the grand final. Wouldn't it be great that this fella's had five hard games and, and, you know, proven that he can do it at this level against the best sides. I think it's perfect repl- It's perfect preparation for the Panthers. Michael, this talk of a disconnect between the Eels, the team, and Parramatta the football club, is, what, what is there to this? And, and how do we re, what do we read into it? Look, it's not, it's not something new. It's been around for a few years. And, there's, and a lot of it stem from the fact they weren't around the football club and the team. They were in different bases. And there's a feeling that a lot of these guys have been brought, brought into the club or brought into the club, and there's not that affinity with the jersey. Now, the, the club will privately, well, publicly won't admit this, but there is a disconnect between head office, the administration there, and... The football team and the, the good teams, I think you, that whole of club focus has always been there. For You look at the Roosters and the Rabbits and, and the Panthers and Melbourne, there's a whole of club focus. I think at Parramatta, from what the people I've spoken to the last few years, that hasn't been there and I, there's, a, there's a few reasons to that. It didn't, didn't help a couple of weeks ago when there was reports or rumours that the coach was being shopped around or he was shopping himself around. Yep. Like that's, that's not good for your, for your preparation or your the team harmony. So... I guess they've, they've got to sort of put that aside and just focus on the football and what, get, get rid of the noise. And they look to back up that win uh, over Penrith when they take on the Manly Seagulls. The old foes going head-to-head. It's Friday night footy live right here on Nine. Join us from 7.30. We'll be there at Four Pines Park for what should be a beauty of a match, as it always is between these two. Stay with us. Coming up next on 100% Footy, the battle of the top four getting very interesting. Who sneaks in? Who slips out? We debate that in a moment. 
Inconsistency kills. More match review committee debacles have everyone asking who exactly is in charge. And it's panic stations for Hawk and the Red V. Salvage their season ahead of September. Stay with us. It's a golden point special, the Bermuda Triangle. The Sharks are meeting their spot before. South Sydney sliding to seventh as a result of that one. You look at their run home now too for Cronulla Gus. The Dragons, the Tigers, the Seagulls, Bulldogs and the Knights. They won't be leaving the four. No, you wouldn't think so on that form. It was a funny game the other night watching it. I kind of never thought they were going to win and they just found a way to get it done. And that's a good sign for a side this same time of year. Um, they got their football worked out. Souths were a little bit unlucky in that one. Uh, they do lose Will Kennedy, though, uh, which is a big blow for them regardless. That's five to six weeks with an ankle problem uh, on the sideline. Now, if you threw the Cowboys and the Sharks out in the paddock tonight, Lockie, who wins that one? I think the Cows. They're, you know, based on the type of football they play. I think the Cows are a little bit in front of the Sharks. Um, and if Penrith are fully fit, then, you know, I don't think they can beat Penrith either. But they're, I, like, Craig Fitzgibbon should be congratulated for the season he's had. He's done a wonderful job to get them to where they are. I just feel like there's just something missing. I don't know what it is, but they're, they're doing well. But for something for me, they're just missing to go all the way. Mm. I don't know what it is. OK, well, hopefully they find it for Sharky's fans' sake. For the Cowboys... I think it's in the draw. They've had a very comfortable draw. They've played all the teams outside the top eight twice. I mean, they've just... It's just fallen for them that way, the way the competition is. And I don't think we've seen enough of them against the top sides to really make a judgment that they're going to be good enough at the back end to win finals. But they have experience and they've got flair and they can find a try. Um, you know, they're, they're, going to, they're going to be a contender. And they've got Dale Finucane to come back uh, at some stage as well. Uh, the team we spoke about before, North Queensland, uh, we talk about them going head-to-head tonight. What, about, what team has the game out of the Sharks and the Cowboys to maybe trouble Penrith? at the business. End. I don't think either have. I don't, I don't think either of them can beat Penrith. I think the only side around that can beat Penrith is Parramatta. But Parramatta got to have a really good day. And the chances of Parramatta getting there are pretty limited. Cowboys have got some real football. I think Cowboys are a team on the rise. They've got some youngsters there and all that as well. But yet to be tested at this time of year for a couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I, I like the way they're playing. I think they're probably the most logical contender given that they're going to finish, you know, probably in second or third position. 
Whereas Parramatta might not make the top four the way they're going. Well, they've got points in the cows, and I think Drinkwater, when he went back to fullback, it totally changed them. But they've been, defensively, they've been very strong too. But Ruben Cotter, they had a bit of a run there where they were leaking points in the last month. And he's the sort of guy that's got really good habits. He just, he just closes all the gaps in the middle of the field. So I think Ruben Cotter, even though he's, he's not going to bring a lot with the football, he's going to make a hell of a lot of a difference to their defence. And I think we all know if you're the best, best defensive team in the competition, you, you go close to winning premierships. What about Jeremiah Nanai? Like, oh, yeah. is, how, did you see this coming from him? Like, obviously yeah. on the radar for a little while with Queensland, but did you see that he'd break out the way he has? No, it was 16 tries in 16 matches. It's just freakish. Uh, and he just, he's, really, he's obviously really confident in himself. Uh, the right foot step the other day was was uh, was magic, but he, yeah, it is there. Right foot, palm, um, and I just yeah, he's just a really skillful back rower uh, and a wonderful kid. So you know, it's it's one of those I guess good stories for the for the, the Cowboys. And there's he's a big strong player. Then you've got um, Ruben Cotter coming back. So there's a lot of fresh legs, a lot of youth coming through, which is complementing those experienced guys. Queensland's other good news story of the year is the Broncos. Gus, what was that against the Tigers, though? Uh, probably a wake-up call, I think, more than anything. You're going to put in a rough one every now and then, and they did the other night. Um, again, a number of their players coming off the back of origin and the winning origin. They just Now everyone's going to stagger a little bit at this time of year as they get themselves ready for the finals, and it's just another learning experience. You know, your, your failures are your greatest teacher, and, you know, that won't happen to them again, I don't think. Now, put it, don't take anything away from the Tigers. The Tigers can play really good football on their day and just kept annoying them all night, and the Broncos fell away. I don't think the Broncos were anywhere near sharp enough or, or committed enough to the, to, to the occasion, and, and the West Tigers were, and that's why they got the result. Uh, they've got the Roosters, the Knights, the Storm, the Eels and the Dragons. I mentioned that first up match. That's coming your way here on 9 Thursday night from the SCG. The Roosters playing host to the Broncos. Bit of a statement game uh, for the Roosters as well. So a bit to play for for this two, these two teams. But are you still confident they're a top four team, Lockie? Yeah, Broncos? look, I think what happened the other night was a wake-up call. Uh, this is a big game. I think this is a real test of a semi-final type football playing the Roosters on a Thursday night in Sydney. Mm. Um, but, yeah, look, I felt that, that game was coming from the perspective there had been a lot of talk after they beat Parramatta that, you know, they're the real deal and they're top four team. And I think they just got uh, pulled back down to earth a bit, but that won't hurt them. Before a ball was kicked this season, Lockie, if I asked you what your realis- realistic expectation of a happy season would be, what would be where would Brisbane have finished? Oh, in, the, in the eight, but not top four. I think, um, you know, on the fringe of the eight, I guess... Adam Reynolds was always going to have an impact. Uh, probably he's had more of an impact than, than, I, th- you know, than I thought he was going to have. Um, and then I think just the, the youth around him have just sort of found their confidence. And when you start winning, you then go, oh, geez, I really like this feeling. And then every week you go, I'm going to put in more to try and get this feeling every week. Momentum is a huge thing. Momentum and confidence, particularly those young kids. A lot of those blokes were around when the Broncos were getting a kicking. Mm. I mean, and they're back at the tail end of the competition. So it's a joyful experience for them. And we talk about teams being the real deal. There's only one place to prove you're the real deal, and that's at finals time. And they're going to get their chance. They're going to deserve to get there. It's been a funny competition because the Storm and the Roosters and South, Parramatta to a lesser extent, even Manly, teams that we expected to be up there and challenging and have been for a few years just haven't been themselves this year. Whether they can raise another effort before the finals, I don't know. But it's allowed a few others in the competition to creep up into that space, particularly Sharks and 
and Cowboys and the Broncos, and they've done a good job. They deserve it. And then there's the Melbourne Storm. A bit of a circuit breaker for them, Lockie, after a month of losses. They hit over the ditch. Always a precarious scenario, that one. To take on the Warriors side, you just don't know what's going to do. Uh, but they come away with a win. They've got some cavalry coming back this weekend for the match against the Gold Coast as well. And then Xavier Coates comes back maybe a week after. You've got the Cheese coming back. For mine, the biggest out for them is Pappenhausen. When he's not there, they just lose, I reckon, 12 points. And I know they'll, they'll keep trying and turning up for each other in defence, um, the Storm, but I, I just feel there's, they've just lost their attacking prowess. And, and I think Pappenhausen is a huge out. What do you read into what we saw on the weekend, Gus? Yeah, it was a win. It wasn't a, what a convincing win. It certainly wasn't a top four win for mine, but it was just one that they needed mm. given their recent runabouts and they're looking for some troops to come back. They need the cavalry to come over the hill and save them a little bit. But as I've said for the past six weeks, I can't see them as a leading contender this year and that's very unusual for the Melbourne mm. Storm. But this is the year where they've, they've had a little bit of a fade. The Tigers are just giving away players left, right <laughs> and centre and David Nofaluma will be a Storm player this weekend, Michael. Yeah, he rocked up for training today, David Nofaluma with the Storm. You mentioned the Tigers there. They've offloaded a couple. But, look, it's, it's an opportunity. He was playing reserve grade for the Tigers, and he'll get a chance now with the Melbourne Storm and get a taste of finals football, which he hasn't done before. And hopefully uh, he gets a spring in his step again and comes back to the Tigers next year with, with something to prove or perhaps finds a new lease of life and, and stays over at Melbourne. Who knows what happens? But this is the opportunity the August 1 deadline presents that gives players who... It might not have an opportunity at their club, an opportunity yeah, elsewhere. I don't, I don't know if I like the optics of it, though. I just I remember last year, and Tavita, who left the Broncos, and, you know, he, he went to Penrith, and he, he didn't play in the grand final because he got injured, but it, it just there's just a strange sort of... You look at him in a Broncos jersey, he comes over and plays, you know, four games and then goes into a final series. It just... The optics of it, for me, doesn't look great. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what the solution is. Well, it's, uh, some uh, teams obviously just trying to get things uh, right in the run to the finals. Now, we've got a lot to get through. Stay with us. Things will fire up in just a moment. A spate of contentious decisions confusing the competition and this panel. We debate it in seconds. Dire straits for the Dragons. His player on rest derailing the Red V in 2022. And Michael's mailbag, it's full. As always, some scoops heading your way in just a moment on 100%. Charge sheet came out a short time ago and he has been referred straight to the judiciary. Well, I thought the tackle was a pretty ordinary tackle. Jackson Hastings, he has suffered a broken fibula. Do you think that should weigh in on the punishment? No, well, it should, but look at Stephen Crichton. The head clash, if his ear was fine and he bounced up, Dalfanuka doesn't get suspended at all. Nelson Osofa Solomona, lucky to escape a ban for an elbow to Wade Egan's face. Wade through, hit Wade Egan there. <laughs> it's laughable. Yeah, his elbow there, and he knows it's there, and then he winds up knowing that the head would hit the ground. Yeah. There was nothing but an intent to hurt him. Well, 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 Josh King. Now we've just seen a player banned for five weeks. Do you think Josh should be suspended for that? Yeah, for sure. It's got to be on report, okay? Get your hands away from their face. You don't need to be there. Yes, no shortage of head scratches uh, over not just the last week, but the last month or so, even season 2022. We'll dissect a few of those shortly. Patrick Carrigan, though, referred. Never a good 
thing if you're a player that's been referred straight to the judiciary, mm. Lockie. What's he looking at here, do you feel? And Well, it's not in the rule book that they take the injury into uh, consideration, but I think subconsciously they must do because they, I think, well, you know, if he doesn't get injured um, from this, you know, he probably cops a week. Uh, but because of the severity of the injury, it's going to go against Pat. Look, we know Pat's a good guy. He, he didn't mean to hurt him, but he just... These hip drop tackles, we've seen them before. They do look awkward and they can be dangerous. And this one, unfortunately, has ended in a bad way for Jackson Hastings. And unfortunately for Pat, I think he's going to pay a price. And the NRL do take into consideration those injuries because they asked for a medical report from the club from the player that's injured. I remember last week they asked the Panthers for a medical report on Stephen Crichton before they charged Dale Finucane. So whether it's right or wrong, they do take it into consideration. Gus, is there such thing as a good guy discount uh, and also an injury surcharge when it comes to charges? Oh, too hard a question to answer, mate. What do you want me to do, end up in court? <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> I mean, they should have to explain themselves in a lot of the decisions they make, but they can't. A lot of the things that we see in the game, like that hip drop thing, is a, it's just a result of the tackling techniques that our players have been forced to use over a number of years to accommodate the referees and the, the rule interpretations and the speed of, speed of the play of the ball. As I've said, I could go over the last 40 years and explain it all to you, but we are making the game more and more difficult to play. The players are getting bigger and stronger. And then we get decisions like this. I mean, this was the most, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Not just the charge and the suspension, but the explanation for it that it was an unnecessary risk for him to sprint out of the line as ways did. Let me go into a game and show you how many players sprint out of the line. Let's go back to the Origin series and watch the first 10 minutes and watch blacks sprinting out of the line of each other. It's part of our game to say that it was an unnecessary risk. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And it only means, it only shores up my opinion that sometimes there are incidents on the field where the judiciary is out to make a statement where the game is out to make a statement through its judiciary punishment. I, I think where one of the real challenges is, that gets, we get the confusion, is that when you listen to the MRC um, analyse an incident, it, there's, so many, there's so much detail in there. Separation, elbows, like there's... It just... And then for a referee to adjudicate that on the field, whether it's the bunker or the on-field referee, they can't go into that level of detail. So you get one thing and then you get... Another thing. And everything's refereed differently off the field than it is on the field, including the bunker, right, including the match review committee, and then including the judiciary. They're all different, and they all have different powers, and they all have different motivations in what they're trying to do. So is the system flawed, or are the people that are making the decisions the system, making the wrong decisions? The, so the system, system. The system is flawed. So how do you... How do you the system is flawed, system. and the people are flawed. I mean, all this stuff you say, you've got to look at so many different things. It shouldn't be like that. It's the same as when we're looking at tries and balls that are up in the air and bobbling around. We look at too much detail. It's all about intent. It's all about unnecessary risk or it's all about carelessness or recklessness. And in these things, a lot of the players... The, the, the difficulty of playing this game now because of the rules and the interpretation and the obsession of the referee and the bunker and the judiciary is a mind... I would hate to be playing in this era. I would really hate to be playing in this era. I would hate to be coaching in this era. I don't know how they put up with it. Well, it's more I, don't, I don't know how... Because when you go out every weekend, you are just in their hands and you don't know what's going to happen. Priority should be what... Try and get the message, you know, uh, I guess, the same for the fans. I mean, the fans must get confused. The 100%. They've so, got no idea what's happening. No, so let, alone, it, let alone with judiciaries and that, but in the game itself, the technicalities, the six agains and the penalties. And what was that for, Marge? I don't know. Jack, I don't know. What's again? You want a cup of tea? No, I'll go and get a cup of tea. We're having another bunker up here. You can get two cups of tea while you're doing that. <laughs> I mean, 
the whole thing is too difficult. Well, and you talk about the amount of detail that should or shouldn't be gone into. We had a, the unusual scenario today where Luke Patton, who's the manager of the Match Review Committee, came out with a statement regarding the Nilsson Asafa Salomona incident uh, against Wade Egan. Were you any wiser after that? Well, it was a lot of words. Uh, there was a number of things. So they're talking about not charging Nelson Asafa Salomona with anything. That, that's what we've got to keep in mind here. There was a number of things for the MRC to consider. It was a forceful tackle, which unfortunately resulted in Egan's head going to the ground. There might be possibly minor contact at the end of the tackle, but that was minor contact. Hang on, if you're talking about unnecessary risk, surely that is unnecessary risk. What, he, what, what was he trying to do here other than, other than hurt him? It flies in the face of all the other decisions that, that made at different times. This is the problem. It, it, seem, it seems that they take discretion when it suits them. They don't take discretion, or they don't... There, there isn't that level of understanding in the Fanukan thing at all to recognise that it's an error. That's it's a mistake. That's contact. He didn't need to That's do it. No, Jared Weir Hargraves, he actually got fined for his incident yeah. uh, with young Fulton, Zach Fulton, on, on Thursday. But that's, that's far worse than anything Fanukan did. Yeah, well, it's a fine. You played a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. How many did you play? <laughs> 600 and something games? <laughs> You yeah. tell me which was worse for yeah, Nukanor. Getting your head slammed on the ground, yeah. that's, that's the, a good chance of getting knocked out there. Yeah. Like, just, you had some busted teeth, yeah. Wade Egan. Yeah. Like, well, that's, that, yeah, if you're taking the injury into account, if a guy got shattered teeth, then surely... And they even had an out. They had an out and charge him with a with a grade one, which is a fine, which would yep. have been a cop out anyway. And they still didn't take it. It wasn't a charge at all. I just... But I saw Luke Patton. We saw the words. But if you see him deliver that... In, with his with his face and voice, you, yep. you're like your head spinning. You're going, mm. how are we ever going to understand how the game's officiated when... Mm. But this is a guy who's played the game at, at a know. very high yeah. level. So, I, like, we want guys with the football IQ and then they're the ones in there and then we sit here and say they're getting it wrong. So they've got all these things here, they're reading of Everything changes when you come to the NRL because in every other grade, in every other lower grade and every junior league park, tries are tries that are not tries in the NRL. The incidents of charges that are not charging. The difference between the professional game now and the park football, this is over-officiated, over-refereed, over-analysed, over-scrutinised to hell. It's so, Lockie, what, what you're saying, Lockie, is you've, you might have the former players in there, but you've got them reading off a textbook and being told almost how to interpret it. Yeah, I just think we need to get the, ter- the, I guess, the, the terminology with, with the on-field decisions very similar to what they're doing when they're reviewing this, right? Because... The, the decisions that have been handed down by the match review committee uh, are going into a lot more detail than what the people, you know, on the ground are doing. So we're getting this mixed messages. So I think we need to streamline that and I think you'll get a lot more... Did, did they make an explanation for the no charge on the potential eye gouge? Was there an explanation uh, of that, that as compared to what happened the previous week? So, so, Gus, do you have an explanation for it? This is the Josh King incident. Obviously, you've got Corey Widell on the sideline for five weeks. Well, forget that Corey Waddell, you know, it could be any player, but what is the difference between these and what we saw the previous week? Zero in five weeks. Not even a charge. Not even a charge. Unpunished. Not even a please explain. Perhaps. The, and you uh, say that they take injury in account. They didn't even bring Tino down to the judiciary. So Waddell couldn't face his accuser. Waddell wasn't, Tino wasn't injured. Perhaps they knew that the Bulldogs were going to go after Tino and took that into account. It was well publicised during the week that they weren't happy with him. But, yeah, it's, it leaves you dumbfounded, some of these decisions. I, look, I, they probably argue here that he tried to actually put his finger in compared to what was happening in the other tackle. Uh, but there's, a, there's not a zero to five-week difference in the two tackles, that's for sure. 
All I can and picture Gus is, is... We've lost Gus. I can picture the little... He's gone. You have a little emoji with a spinny Stick eyes. your finger in your eye and see if you can yeah, do what he just did. <laughs> Stick your own finger in your own eye and then see if you can... Uh, yeah. It takes a while for you. Anyway. It's too late at night for all this sort of detail, isn't it? Stay with us. This is 100% footy coming up. Dragons drama. Can Hook save St George Illawarra's season? And Michael's mailbag overflowing, I'm told. Overflowing, yes. That deadline for loans, it's ticking down. <laughs> we'll see how it wrapped up in a moment. Go the clocks. Dragons, they simply need to keep winning. He deserves one. Griffin name. Nano! Yes! The beautiful pass. He's in again. The Cowboys are running away with it. There's been plenty of talk around this team. And was there a point where you had to pull them aside and say anything at all? Nah, not at all. You, when there's things going on like that, you, sometimes you get a vibe that there's something going on between the players and that, but I didn't feel it at all this week. Like it wasn't mentioned. Is Anthony Griffin's sacking of his two assistants a move to save his own job? Well, I think he's tried to buy himself more time. I'm going to refresh things, just believing me we're on the right track. Is the time less than ideal, though, given where you guys are on the ladder? Oh, well, there's never a right time. I mean, the club went through that process with, with everyone, you know, uh, over the last month or so, so there's never a right time. Yep, 11 spot now, a win outside the eight, but cannot buy a win against the top eight team, the Dragons, beaten comprehensively in the end by the Cowboys at Cogra on Sunday afternoon. So, Lockie, with a match coming up against the Sharks, it's not the worst run home for them, but... Can they play finals football in 2022? No, because their for and against is poor too. So I, I just, they're too hot and cold. Um, you know, defensively they leak too many points. Um, some days they'll, they'll, they'll um, you know, they'll, they'll come and they'll play some football. But for mine, they're too inconsistent. And they seem to, they seem to sort of get themselves in a winning position, you know, sort of 50, 60 minutes into a game and they just, they fade. So for me, they're just not, they're not good enough to play finals. Isn't that why Anthony Griffin was brought to the club? Because of mental toughness and defence and the focus on the simple things and being more consistent? It seems like that's not the case at all. Well, it, they start fast. So Hook's always been a good motivator. Um, they start fast, but they're not, they're not being able to, you know, withhold that, that intensity or that energy for 80 minutes. So how do you fix that? I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I think there's obviously... You look at your roster... Um, have they got some good kids coming through? I don't know. Would you know, Gus, if they've got some good kids coming through? Yeah, they have. Um, you know, the, the first grade side, you've probably gone for age and experience more than anything uh, with the first grade sides there and you get a, a few little fellas coming in there and getting a run here and there. But uh, they've, got, they've got younger fellas underneath that, um, that have got a future. He's probably just holding them back for whatever reason. Should they be playing them? Should they be getting more first grade minutes, Gus? Well, he brought these other players for a reason. I mean, these are the ones he thought he could get the job done. It's a very experienced side. It's a very old side. Um, but, you know, and that's the sort of footballers that he likes to coach. That's, that's up to the coach. That's the decision he's made. But isn't it, he probably doesn't need that many of them. If you look at the roster, I think um, you've got to keep it at least a couple of older heads in the, in the forward pack and then try and bring your youth and get them to learn around that. And that's the criticism of Anthony Griffin. And the Dragons can dismiss this as being fake news or whatever it might be, but the criticism is that the young kids that are there 
and they've got a lot. They aren't developing, and he's not developing, and he's pushed them to the side, or he's looking after the senior guys in the team, and they're playing a brand of football that's, that's boring. It's, they've got exciting young players in that team, and I'm not a, a rugby league expert. I'm a stupid journalist. I get that. But the reality is you watch that team, and I'm a, I grew up a Dragons fan. I have a lot of friends and family who are Dragons fans, and the frustration is that football team is playing boring football, not playing a style of football. You look at what the Bulldogs are doing at the moment, the Tigers are doing at the moment. They're having success playing football, and I know they're leaking points, but they've got some attacking artillery, and they're not using it. I, I, just, I think there are frustrations at the Dragons that are going to boil over soon, and, and the sacking of the two assistant coaches, to me, reeks of a, of a cop-out of Anthony Griffin trying to save his job and buy more time. What does it say to you, Lockie? Oh, well, look, you, you can't. They, they have to make changes. If it's not, if, 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 if the two assistant coaches is going to refresh things from uh, the way they play, then you can understand why they've done that. Will it fix it? Well, we don't know. But I, I guess, you know, if it, it's if it's not the assistant coaches, then it comes down to, you know, players. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably next. If uh, they can't get any improvement, then some of the players would be really nervous about whether their, their future's there. Well, once they play Cronulla, they then take on uh, the Canberra Raiders. They're now, Gus, sitting in ninth position, humming along quite nicely, won their last three. Big match. This Saturday, they take on Penrith. Statement game, perhaps, for this team that wants to play finals football and get themselves in that eight? Well, they get the Panthers at a good time, don't they? Mm. Missing some star players. and um, I think they have got them at home, haven't they? Uh, yes, they're hosting them in Canberra. Yes, that gives them a, that gives them a real chance. The Canberra Raiders are... a of all the teams, they've probably got the easier draw running in. Once they get past Panthers this weekend, their run's pretty good after that. So they're a team that's always hanging around. They hang around in every game. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. And they hang around in the competition. Sometimes in the eight, sometimes they're not. They're just about where I expected them to be. And it's just how they finish off these last five weeks. If they can win probably four of the games, they'll definitely play in finals football. They're, they're a tough team, the, the, the Raiders. They've got a lot of you know, hard edge forwards there and... You know, Jack Whiten at six. So I think um, if Jack Whiten can have a really good month, I think they can play football. I think they beat themselves a lot. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't often think the opposition team was too good for them, but I think the, the Raiders beat themselves in a lot of ways. Um, and then other days they have good days and they can beat anyone. And Fogarty might have, you know, he might have an impact there. Because... Well, he's had enough football there now. Like, he missed the first part of the season. He's actually been playing and getting better, I think, so... Yeah. Yeah, look, they've got a good draw, and I think Ricky Stewart knew that coming through. I think he knew the best part had to be the last part of the season, and you know they've shown glimpses throughout the year, but um, they've got a nice draw running into the finals, and I think they'll qualify. When you look at all those teams, there's probably four teams looking for two spots at the bottom of the eight. Of the four of them, they've got the better draw of, of any of them. It's going to be interesting to see the team that actually has to drop out of the eight. Big five weeks ahead of us as we count down to finals footy. Stay with us after the break. We dig into Michael's mailbag. Yep, more clocks. The deadline, it's done and dusted. The latest on the player movements across the competition in just a second. Welcome back to 100% Footy. Great to have your company on a jam-packed edition of the show on this Monday night. The trade deadline, it's August 1. How did August just pop up? Like that. Almost over. Uh, Michael's mailbag. Let's get into it. The trade deadline officially finishing today, but changes are coming, and we're not talking about players. Yeah, it finished today, 5 p.m. The trade deadline. It's it's been a, a bit of a talking point amongst fans. They've been blowing up about players having the ability to, to move to clubs that are competing for a premiership. And there was talk today that David Clemmer 
and the Parramatta Eels may have struck a deal. That's not going to happen. David Clemmer will stay at the Knights. But I spoke to Peter, Villa- Peter Villanis before we came on air, and he said he doesn't like the concept of teams trying to buy premierships, and he's going to move at the next board meeting with the commission to scrap the August 1 trade deadline and go back to the June 30 deadline, which we had, which was the case before COVID hit, and they changed it to August 1 because the season went on into the end of October during that season, so they extended that deadline, but they haven't changed it back. So Peter Volandis, he said, it's not in the spirit of the game for, for players to be going to another team to try and win a comp, then going back to their clubs, like we've seen with David Nofaluma. A different situation for the Roosters. They've signed Oliver Gildart for the remainder of the year. Mm. He's someone who's not getting a lot of a chance in first grade, and he'll get an opportunity as a cover player for the Roosters, may play finals football, and, and potentially playing for his future as well, because the Tigers are happy to see Oliver Gildart find a new home. So he may get opportunity to impress it at another club. There is something that smells about it all, isn't there, Lockheed? Yeah. Though, we spoke about it earlier. It's just... Yeah, there's, obviously if it's a mutual benefit, it's there, but there's certainly a, there's a different feel about it this year. Yeah, and I think uh, for me it was highlighted when Tavita went to Penrith last year, and it's nothing against the individuals, it was just the system. Um, I just, I just, and then was it fair income that the Storm asked for Fox back? They did. The Storm asked a number of clubs for a number of players, and that's what I said last week. I said if you're going to allow it at August 1, the way the bigger clubs look at it now... You get to August, you know, get to the end of July and the top four teams start feeding on the bottom four teams, saying your season's over, give us your best couple of players and we can shore up our job. But that's not how it should be. That's not what it was for. The August one was moved because of COVID, because lone players was important. We had to fill up the Warriors side. You know, Bulldogs ran out of players because they were all up there in isolation. And there was no junior league football. There was no reserve grade football. Players outside the, the, the player on the weekend didn't get a game of football. So we were trying to get everyone a game of football. We were trying to keep the club short up. There was no depth to bring through and, and develop. So that's what it was for. It was a loan system for COVID. Yeah. Not for top four teams to feed on the ones that they want to, to, to make their, their premiership chances Doesn't better. it also help the bottom teams a little? Like, if you wanted to, Gus, you could shed some salary cap space and make some room. You could have allowed Fox to go, maybe saved 100000 yeah, And what's does, that say to the fans? Is that the reason you didn't allow anyone to go? I understand. I said that to me. I said, so what does that say to my fans? What does that say to my players? What am I saying to my coach and my players if I just say our season's over, we can lend our best player and marquee player? down to the Melbourne Storm. What's the say to all them kids that bought a Fox jersey this year and wears them into the ground and waves their flag every time he scores a try? What's the say to them? Fuck the Melbourne Storm. <laughs> Our job's the Bulldogs. And then he comes so, June, so June, sorry, June 30 is going back, to, which is a better, but then have you ever thought about, well, what's the other option that solves all that jumping across clubs? You're talking about a history don't, of trade windows. Don't trade windows. He's fishing. You've got to catch a plane, mate. If you start me now, you won't get on your plane. Oh, lucky. Right You'll on. be having to spend the night in Sydney. It's a 100% footy rookie error there. You open that can of worms. Yes, he, he could go all night about that. Uh, before we wrap up, tie up Michael's mailbag. Uh, the Tigers. They're not over it yet. That They're not over it. To the Cowboys. They want the two points. They're meeting with the NRL this week to go through... Uh, the events that unfold in that Cowboys game. They got the meeting they were after, uh, and I don't think they're going to get the result there after the two points is what they were chasing. Uh, the what, what happens in that meeting? How long does that conversation we, go for, Gus? Sorry? Yeah, the Tigers sitting I don't even know why they're having the meeting. Well, just, oh. Do we just move on? It's over. Like, some days you get, you're going to get the rub of the green, some days... It's you're over. Gonna, oh, what are we going to do? Go back and rewrite history of all the ones that should have been, all the teams that were robbed over the years. Yep. <laughs> and they were robbed. They I were don't robbed even know why we're having the meeting. Why are we having the meeting? Meeting should be... No. Away. Trade window. Bring Come it back. <laughs> Trade window. Hey, guess what? We'll go away in just a moment. See you in a sec. We'll oh, dear. Go away.
Welcome back. A look at the action round 21. The Roosters and the Broncos to kick it off in the SCG live on 9 from 7.30. Thanks to High Sense on Thursday. Friday, Macca's Friday night footy from 7.30. We are at Brookie, Four Pines Park, the Seagulls and the Eels. Sunday footy, the Tigers and the Knights. Denica and the team from 3pm, Campbelltown Stadium, the scene. But do not forget... Saturday night footy, yes. Not one, not two, not three, but four games for the final five rounds on nine from 7pm. Denica has the reins for all the action between Cronulla and St George Illawarra. Another of the good derbies to be had. Race, we didn't get to a show. I didn't ask. Have you got a coach yet? Anything? No. Not yet? Big announcement pending? They're going to make the eight. Why do they need a coach? That's true. That's true. (laughs) Don't forget on Sunday, Bulldogs are going to Bundaberg to play the Cowboys. We don't care if you cheer for the Cowboys, just turn up. Well done, Gus. Got that in. Thanks for coming, Lockie. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Gus. Get better, gal. See you next week. Bye-bye. This has been another presentation from Nine's Wide World of Sports.